But we've been in the series called Facts, or Frequently Asked Questions, and we've been talking about different topics and ideas um, and worldviews that sort of combat the Christian worldview. And so how do we respond, or, or what are some of these questions, and how do we build for ourselves a Christian, Jesus-centered worldview? And so we thought to close out this series, we'd sort of hear from you guys. Um, so we, we did a poll on Instagram, asked us anything, and we've got a lot of good questions. And uh, Hannah and I, um, emceed by Shane, hello, um, are going to attempt uh, to answer some of these questions. Sound good? All right. So Shane, take it away. Sick. So the first and probably the most uh, frequently asked question is... Nate, when are you going to shave your mustache? <laughs> Never. Let's take a vote. Who thinks I should shave it? And then who thinks I should leave it? That's like pretty even. That's pretty even. Who couldn't care less? That's yeah. most of you, I feel like. <laughs> Perfect. Right. Yeah. What if after I asked that question, he just like pulled out a razor and just like did it? Yeah, I was actually thinking about that. What <laughs> if like, I'm like, right oh. now, and I shaved yeah, it? Um, Happened on the bachelorette. <laughs> moving on. Um, the, the first question that was asked by you guys uh, via Instagram uh, is, how do I know that I have faith? How do I know that I have you faith? You just looked right at me. <laughs> well, uh, one, if you have professed to believe in Jesus, that's like the biggest sign of faith is saying that you believe in him and you want to follow him and you're looking uh, to scripture and to him and you're in prayer for your decision making and how you're living and your life choices, like all of that. If you're letting the Bible and Jesus dictate that for you, that takes faith. Yeah. Uh, so I would say that's a way to know you have faith. Yeah, and then from that, faith is, um, so it's, it's the substance of things hoped for. Wait, no, it's, it's the, is that right? The substance of yeah, things substance. Yeah. The something of things not uh, seen. Evidence. Evidence, evidence of who, things. Who so, said that? So substance of things oh. hoped for, the evidence of things unseen. So um, in other words, faith cannot be seen. Faith is something that you believe. And it's something that you have an expectation for. So faith, it, the very act of faith is something that really can't be measured. Right. That's the whole idea. It's faith. It's like, well, how do I know? Well, it's faith. You, you're believing. You're hoping. You're trusting. But hope or the biblical definition of faith or hope is an expectation. So we have an expectation that God's doing something. And then on the outside, God begins to produce things in, in your life and through your life. Right. So there's evidences. So you're, I have faith in Jesus, and now I'm talking about him more. Right. There's an evidence of it. I have faith in Jesus. Well, how do I know? Well, I'm reading my Bible and I'm praying. There's an evidence of it. I have faith in Jesus. Well, I used to be really like short-tempered and get angry, and now I feel like I'm more long-suffering and patient. Yeah. There's an evidence of it. All so the fruits of the Spirit. There's the fruit of the Spirit, yeah. yeah. That's cool. That's really good. Um, if I can just add something, too. I think uh, like knowing that you have faith comes from knowing who you have faith in. Right. And I think that um, if you're ever doubting or you're ever questioning your own faith, uh, just dive in to get to know who you have faith in. Just spend more time with Jesus. And uh, as you grow and understand who he, he is, the confidence in your faith will, will come shortly after. So uh, the next question is this. It says, what are some ways that I can flourish as a Christian 
in a house full of non-religious people? I'll start. Okay, how do we, how do we know? So I'm sure, um, actually, let me just do this. By a show of hands, who here is, um, well, let's say, who, who here's family is not all believers? All of your family is not believers. So, like, there's somebody in your family that's not a believer. Okay. It's a pretty good amount of you. And then who here, you are the only person in your family that's a believer? There's a few. Come on. Um, So, I mean, the room's probably at least split with people that have people in their family that aren't believers. And there's a handful of you that are the only. First off, you, I saw your hand. Anybody else? Good on you. You're here. Um, It's a a big deal. Um, So I would just say, number one, um, is surround yourself with people that are believers. Yes. The people that speak into your life, your friends, um, mentors, leaders, even if they're, they're people from the factory, um, find people that speak into your life that can direct you in um, Christian principles and values. One of the things that's hard when you're one of the only believers in your family is a lot of the advice you get is not Christ-centered. A lot of the direction you get, a lot of the like, hey, this is how you should respond to a situation is not biblical because that's not where their foundation is. Um, And so you can get all sorts of weird advice. So make sure that the people that are speaking into your life um, are followers of Jesus. And then secondly, I would say um, that to to not view it as a setback, um, but view it as an opportunity. Um, I think the, the Jesus says that the greatest commandment is to love God and does somebody know the greatest commandment? It's kind of two. Love, God. love your neighbor, right? Love God and love your neighbor as yourself. I don't think it can get any more neighbor than the people living in your house, yeah. right? And so to love God and love your neighbor means love the people that are sharing the same space as you, that's using the same bathroom as you, that walks into the same kitchen as you, um, and look for an opportunity to show the love of Christ to them. Yeah. So really simply, I would say, Make sure you have good, godly people speaking into your life. Um, And then secondly, love God and love your neighbor and practice humility and love to the people in your life. Yeah. Yeah? And just on that, I would add, don't put like pressure on yourself. I know people who are the only believer in their family. Sometimes they feel the weight of their family's salvation like on them and to just be praying for them to be on your own following after God in your Bible, coming to church, and definitely reach out to your small group leaders if you haven't already and just be like, hey, I need a good support system. Uh, and that's, I mean, we've seen students who have done that for years and little by little, if you were here when Matthew uh, Schlitt shared a few weeks ago how he was the only Christian in his family, and over years, one by one, God's been getting a hold of members of his family, and God uh, wants to do that, and he wants to work like that, And but let him do the work, and you just serve Jesus and be faithful in that. Yeah, that's that's super good. Um, the next question, sorry, I, I was like memed a couple weeks ago about <laughs> saying that's so good by some of you people. I don't know if Amber's here, um, but it's going to happen so many more times tonight, so just let it, let it be, okay? So good. Um, so good. Come on. So good. Uh, so this one is a little bit, uh, I, I, I kind of get to act out a little bit okay. while I read oh, this fun. question. So I'm going off to college soon, mm, me, for you. 
And uh, how do I maintain a relationship with God just as strong as it is now? I know I'll be crazy busy in college and might not have extra time, but I want to stand out and be a Christian at college. How do I do it? Okay, so th- this is a specific question to somebody going off to college, but I think it, the, the principles, hopefully, that I'll share, that we'll share, apply to wherever you are yes. right now. So specifically to this question was they want to maintain as it is now. So the first thing I would challenge that person with is what are you doing right now? So examine your life. Okay, how am I close to God? What are the, some of the things in my life right now that are making me close to God? I'm assuming you're in church. Um, I'm assuming you're reading your Bible to an extent. I'm assuming that you've got Christian friends. So if we could just transplant that to wherever you're going to school, make sure you're in church around a community of believers. Um, Make sure that you're reading your Bible and praying. Um, And then make sure that you have a Christian circle of friends that are encouraging you. Um, One of the difficult things about going to a new environment is obviously meeting new people is finding a good church. Um, uh, I can help you. We can help you find a good church. Um, we've got lots of connections with people in places, um, and so can find you a good church. Um, and then I would say, like, stay connected with, um, with us, yeah. with here. You know, we've got the podcast. We've got the YouTube channel. We've got the Instagram. Um, so stay connected with us, and a lot of times, well, I mean, we've got, like, Katie. Katie's here somewhere. Where's Katie Romanek? Where you at? She's in the back, so yeah. she's off at school right now, and she's visiting right now, and she's been serving whenever she's here, um, and she has got great advice, too, about how to walk with Jesus when you're at school, um, and I'm sure there's many others, like Messick, she's in school currently yeah. in town, so there's like so, there's people that you could talk to that are like, hey, I'm walking this right now, and learning ways that you can do that um, as well, but I would say if you're wanting to maintain it as it is now, carry what you're doing now with you into the new season. That was good. And um, if I can add on for those who, like, that's that's not maybe the next step that you're taking. That's, like, three or four steps after. Um, just, like, start getting in the rhythm of, of doing things on purpose for yourself to walk with Jesus. Just kind of, like, like, be like, oh, maybe I'm not in the Bible enough. It's like, okay, then start reading your Bible and, um, and just getting in the rhythm so that uh, once... New things come. New things is a hard time to start doing, like, more new things. And so uh, get in the practice now so when, when you step into that new season, you're already, like, in rhythm and practicing it out. Uh, so the next question is, uh, this, is a, this is a good one. It's kind of a, I like questions like these that are little fantasy land type questions. Um, that is, uh, what is heaven like? Do we get to experience life there like we get to experience it on earth? Will we see it the way we see earth through our eyes? So what's heaven like? What's it going to be like? Um, quick show of hands. Who's thought about heaven before? Thought about heaven. Okay, cool. We've all thought about heaven, I'm sure. Um, now, uh, the heaven is not just whatever you want it to be. <laughs> right? So like sometimes heaven we think is like heaven is just going to be Whatever I think heaven's going to be. The Bible makes it like a lot pretty clear about what heaven um, is like. To boil things down pretty simply, number one, heaven is going to be better than here, 
right? So all of the, I, and not, not just in the sense of like, oh, this is really bad, and so heaven's just going to be totally different and new, but in the sense of all of the good things that we experience here are going to be perfect in heaven. Yeah. So it's going to be better than here. Um, and then secondly, it's going to be better than we can imagine or expect. It's going to be better than we imagine or expect, right? So in your wildest dreams, and even if it's completely biblically inaccurate <laughs> what your um, idea of heaven is, it's going to be better than that. Yeah. I love to say um, that, that God, it's so good in heaven that God uses gold as asphalt in heaven. <laughs> like it's like the thing that we like kill each other for on earth, God's like, we'll pave the roads with that. Like, it's just very, and then also the Bible talks a lot about obviously heaven, but the Bible also talks about a new heaven and a new earth. And so there is a time in, without getting into this too much, because it'd be a long conversation, but <laughs> with, uh, there are, time in heaven is for about a thousand years, a thousand year reign, and then God's going to create a new earth and we're going to live yeah. on that new earth. Um, and that new earth is going to be perfect and as God intended it. And there's going to be life and there's going to be um, probably jobs and there's going to be um, relationships and conversations and all of these things. But it's going to be as God intended. It's going to be perfect. It's going to be like, it's going to be the fullness of life. We can't even comprehend it, but it's going to be like the fullness of why we yeah. exist. And it's going to be in perfect harmony with God, perfect harmony with one another. Um, and it's going to be good. Yeah. Also, um, to like kind of rant a little more. Love it. We're not going to be dumber in heaven than we are on earth. Yeah. Um, so like we're going to recognize people. Like you know how we can even recognize people with masks on? <laughs> like, oh my gosh, I recognize you. <laughs> like we're not going to be dumber in heaven and be like, oh my gosh, I forgot about my entire existence on earth. <laughs> we're going to, there's going to be this reality of like, oh my gosh, I know that person. <laughs> and I think there's going to be the recognition of people that we've never met. Yeah. We're going to be like, oh my gosh, that's like, that's the Apostle Paul. <laughs> like, oh, my gosh, that's, like, I don't know, some cool figure. Like, I imagine, like, Bono from U2 is going to be in heaven. So I'm like, oh, my gosh, that's Bono. <laughs> like, he's there. Um, and uh, so, like, do you guys even know who that is? It doesn't matter. Um, but uh, there, there's, like, yeah, the people don't know. It doesn't matter. Um, but uh, it's, it's going to be better is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. Um, there's also going to be some sort of a connection um, not some sort of, but there will be a connection to life on earth, to heaven. Even uh, the, the Bible talks about how he will wipe away every tear from our eye. Yeah. Um, so that infers that there will be some level of tears in heaven, right? Because unless it's completely, uh, completely poetic mm -hmm. that he's going to wipe away every tear from our eyes. Um, but if he's wiping away tears, that's going to be, there's, means there's tears, right? Yeah. Like, you can't wipe away tears that don't exist, right? Mm -hmm. Facts. So, True. So when he's saying, like, wipe away our tears, so maybe there's this, this memory or realization of maybe how messed up things were and how good things are or how just and merciful God is and maybe the reality of I can't believe we get to be in the presence of God knowing what, who we were and what we've experienced Whatever the case, there's going to be some sort of connection from here that carries on into um, heaven. Yeah. To boil it all down, yes, we will see it the same way through our own eyes, but in our perfect bodies, perfect place, perfect relationships as God intended it. Yeah. I don't know. I could, I could nerd out all day on stuff like that, but 
And I think heaven, well, I, in scripture, we see uh, reasons to believe that heaven will be familiar mm-hmm. in that it's things we've, like Nate was saying, like things we've experienced here, but perfected, like family and community and the presence of God uh, all the time. And they, and we hear about sitting down at the supper with uh, God in heaven and Jesus and all the saints who are up there. And that's a familiar setting to me, like gathering around, sitting at a table. We'll be worshiping God. We'll be singing. We'll be doing things that are familiar to life here, but just perfected and therefore a billion times better. And I'm sure there will be some surprises, like, whoa, like, you know, Nate was saying, whatever your, like, craziest imagination of heaven might be, you might experience some of that and there might be things like that but it'll also feel familiar and like the home that uh, we experience here but not all the time and not always perfect and we'll get to live in it uh, in heaven so it's gonna be food in heaven Hannah thinks we're gonna be vegans I'm not 100% convinced (laughs) herbivores yeah yeah (laughs) she because there's like the the marriage supper of the lamb we are vegans in heaven yeah I, just kidding. Eh, agree to disagree. <laughs> Continue. Actually, her, her theology on yeah. it is way better than mine, but... Yeah, it's true. Anyways, doesn't matter. <laughs> Moving on. Um, check this segue out. I was working on it while you guys were answering that. Oh, boy. You know, since we don't know the answer to that question, really, we can just dream about it. Yeah. How, do, how did people, you know, before the Bible came about... How did people know God or know about God or have relationship with God before the Bible was even written? Yeah, Uh, there are a few ways. One, God revealed himself to people all the time in Scripture. You read about encounters that people had uh, before the Bible uh, came to be. Even in the Garden of Eden, once Adam and Eve are... um, leave the garden because of sin, God explains to them how they can continue to have relationship with him and gives them that day his like ultimate plan for salvation. And we later find out they've passed that on to their children. And so one way God appeared to people, God explained things to them. Uh, And then another way is then people who God appeared to passed that on to others, to their family, to other people they knew. I think those are some big ways. Yeah, some big, so, no, so (laughs) Hannah said, um, God, personal experience with people. So God had, like, personal revelation. Think of, um, I'm trying to think of a specific, the angel of the Lord with Joshua, right? So angel of the Lord with Joshua, a, a, personal revelation of God to a person. Then you've got people uh, people to people um, on behalf of God. This was known as prophets. Think of Jonah, right? God spoke to Jonah, said, go to Nineveh, preach to the people of Nineveh that they need to repent and turn from their sins. So God spoke to Jonah, Jonah spoke to people. Um, and then you also have just a natural way of um, People experiencing God or hearing about God and then passing it, th- passing it along to friends and family and their children. The Bible talks about discuss the things um, uh, with your children as you go along the way, when you wake up, when you go to bed. And just by personally, hey, this is how I experience God in my life. Um, and then you can keep it on or carry it on as well. So three big ways. God had personal encounters or experiences with people. 
God uh, had personal encounters with people that then spoke to other people. So prophets on behalf of God spoke to the people. Um, and then thirdly, just through conversations, life would carry on and pass on um, who God was. And then people just had crazy, natural, supernatural faith. Like yeah. think of Noah. Like Noah yeah. was before Abraham, before the covenant relationship with Israel, before any of that. And this man had great faith and God revealed himself to him. Yeah. So God sought people out and found them. And oh. there's a woman in scripture, we were talking about her earlier, but Rahab, who there's a part in the Old Testament where she uh, goes out to meet some of the people of God. And she says to them, like, I've heard what God's been doing, and I want to be on your side. I want to be a part of what God's doing. So, like, count me in. How can I help? And she does in a miraculous way in the story of Jericho. But uh, just that reality that People were hearing about God, learning about God. It wasn't a mystery or something hidden. God was making himself known to people uh, all throughout scripture. You read of that and then them passing it on like you talked about. But we can see where it happened. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And uh, speaking in, uh, of scripture, there is a question that says, according to scripture, uh, women should not be lead pastors. What's your guys' view on this? Start us off. Okay, <laughs> here we go. We're going into doctrine. Who's ready for doctrine? Hey, doctrine. Okay. <laughs> um, wow. Probably many of you have never uh, thought about this before. Um, I don't know. Let me just begin. I've, I wrote some notes on this just so I don't get off target. Um, First off, and this has kind of been our theme in the series of Frequently Asked Questions, we often view this topic or many topics with our 2020 worldview, not the year, not like the eyesight, um, <laughs> with our 2020 worldview, 21st century worldview, um, which we must understand that our cultural worldview isn't right, okay? We need to shape our worldview based upon what the Bible says. That is inerrant. That transcends. That is something that uh, God will stand the test of time. So we need to view everything that we look at through the Bible, not through culture. Make sense? We look at the culture through the lens of the Bible. We don't look at the Bible through the lens of culture. Yeah. Okay? Someone write that down. Okay, that's like doctrine stuff for you. So how do you study your Bible? How do you shape a Christian worldview? All of these things. We view the world through the lens of the Bible. Yeah. We don't through, look at the Bible through the lens of culture. Now, this specific topic, can women be lead pastors? Now, this is referencing two passages of Scripture. 1 Corinthians chapter 11 and 1 Timothy chapter 2. Those are the two scripture references. You can read them on, the, on your own time. A little confusing in parts of it. Um, to summarize, this is basically what um, we believe. The question, um, actually, let me read. Does somebody have 1 Timothy chapter 2 verse? Uh, no, let's have somebody do it. That's fun. I think it's verse, is it 15? I think it's 15. First stop airdropping your stuff. Yeah, stop for real. That. What? First Timothy chapter two, verse fifteen, I believe. Okay, she's got it. Let's... Oh no, go. Sorry, go back up. Um, maybe three verses. 
You're doing great. Perfect. Okay, I'm going to read really. it again. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it said, I do not permit a woman to teach or to assume authority over a man. She must be quiet. That's the Bible verse. And I just, every woman in here is like, I'm going to punch you afterwards. And I'm like, I totally get that. Um, okay, so here, here is, has anybody even thought about this before? Okay, you've thought about it. Some of you church kids have thought about this before. Awesome. Um, so let me just kind of break this down. Um, so... I'm going to do it the way I originally planned on doing it. Uh, Here he goes. Okay. Just bear with me, okay? (laughs) We're we're talking the Bible, all right? This is a Christian worldview. If you're mad at me afterwards, we'll talk about it more afterwards. Okay. Women in the Bible have every opportunity to serve God, be used by God, and lead as men do throughout the Bible. Throughout the entirety of the Bible, women have the same opportunity as man. Think of Ruth, Esther, Deborah, Rahab, Mary, Martha, Lydia, the two prophet daughters of Philip, Priscilla, Junia. Like the story goes on and on and on. Rahab, I don't think she was on my list. Um, On and on. Women that led, that made decisions, that had authority, um, that were used by God in mighty different, mighty ways and a variety of different ways. Okay? Mm -hmm. Um, The only difference when it comes to uh, this idea of pastor, is women are not to hold the office or position of pastor or the ultimate authority. Not, okay, not that they can't operate in the gifting of pastor or shepherd, but holding the office, okay? So if you're following me with the question, hopefully you're following me with the answer. If you're lost with the question, then you're going to be lost with the answer as well. Um, So, again, women are not to hold the office of pastor, but that doesn't mean they don't operate in the gifting of pastor. Now, let me speak from my own life. There's been plenty of women that have pastored me in my life. Pastoring, the idea of shepherding, shepherding in the things of God, people that have spoken over my life, people that have... prophesied over my life, um, people that have cultivated and nurtured and helped me grow in my life. They, like, for no other word than pastor. That's the reality. Um, So, but, from the context of the Bible, oh, sorry. What'd you say? No, I was just looking at this. She's trying to get me to shut up. (laughs) She's like, just move on. No, I'm just kidding. Um, Okay, so, operate, Office. Do you see the difference? Okay. So operate in the giftings, hold the office. Now, why are they not to hold the office? Two primary reasons. It's responsibility, not equality. What I mean by that, it it isn't an equality or sexist thing. It's a responsibility thing. God has given the responsibility. God has ordained the responsibility to go to a man. Why? I don't know. I don't know. This is just how God set it up. He said, this is how it's going to be. It's the same way as God holds offices. Um, well, like, for instance, the Bible talks about how the, ch- the church is to be subject to the governing authority. Now, oftentimes in our world, the church is suppressed by the governing authority and could probably lead better than the governing authority. And yet, God says church is supposed to be submitted to the authority of government. Why? Because God said so. Like, don't we hate that answer? Like, because he said so. So that's why one. Why two is difference 
not importance. Okay, so God sets up different roles for men and women. That's how he designed us. Because men are different than women, aren't they? Can we all agree that men are different than women and women are different than men? Like that's a reality. And listen, they're created to be that way. God designed us that way. So, okay, let's go back to Genesis, all right? In the beginning, God created man, and man was good, and then man was not good. That's what the Bible says. Why was he not good? Well, because he was alone, and he needed a helper. Now, the idea of helper, I'm super nerding out right now, but we got time, so I'm going to do it, all right? So when the idea of helper is not like, man, Adam was going out and killing food, and then there was nobody there to help him clean up the dishes afterwards, so we need to give him a helper. That is not the intention. The word helper, it's literally a battle cry. So when God said he needed help, it's like, it's like he's, he needed reinforcements. Yeah. Like here Adam is living life in battle, and all of a sudden God sounded the alarm and said we need, it was a battle cry. We need reinforcements. So what do we do? We bring woman. Why? Because she's going to bring something different to the table that man can't do. That's the reason. So here man is all alone trying to do his thing on the struggle bus. And God's like, he needs help. Like, bring in the reinforcements. Should we get another dude? No. We need someone that can actually help him. Like, let's bring a woman because she can bring something new to the table. So that's the, that it's difference. It's not important. It's different. So men and women bring different things to the table. Okay. So this is kind of, we're veering away from the question. Should women have the, <laughs> I was like, please just get back on subject. All right, so are women supposed to hold the office of pastor? No. Do they operate in the gifting of pastor? All the time. So here's the big, here's the part that we have to sort of reconcile with First Timothy chapter 2. Um, Is the act of teaching, is that the problem, or is what they teach the problem? Okay, let me explain. The act of teaching is not the problem, right? Yeah. Hannah teaches in here, right? She's great. And she's awesome. Yeah. Um, hey, thanks, Hannah. I am. So, like, because that's not, that's not the point. Like, Paul, when he says in 1 Timothy, like, women are not allowed to ever even open their mouths. That's not what he's saying. You have to understand the full cultural context. And the cultural context is it's a bunch of new believers. And in their context, women and men were not even allowed to learn in the same room together. And a lot of places, especially where this church was in Ephesus, where Paul's writing to Timothy, um, is women were uh, uneducated. They weren't allowed to learn. And now the gospel comes in and says there's neither male or female. There's neither Jew nor Greek. Everyone's one through the finished work of Jesus on the cross. So they open the doors. The church opens its door. It's the first place in human history that the church opens its door and says everybody, men and women, can come. It doesn't matter your ethnicity. doesn't matter your gender. You can come. Right? So everyone's like, the church is so backwards. The church is the, what got this whole thing started. Like Jesus said, okay, no, 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 this is how we're going to do it. So the church opens its doors to everybody. People are coming in. And then the culture, because they were, it was new and they were unexperienced, they were talking out of turn. They, they were maybe confused or maybe excited. And so Paul's writing to a specific church saying, hey, um, 
let them know that when the pastor's teaching, they're supposed to be quiet and listen. Can I rant for a second? I'm going to rant for a second. That would be like me saying the same thing to you. Somebody's like, it's about time you said something. <laughs> listen, when we're, when we're teaching and when we're worshiping, like Paul would say, hey, you guys need to be quiet and you need to listen. Like that's what, that's what Pastor Paul is saying. Right? He's saying like, hey, get off Snapchat and listen. And stop airdropping. Yeah, stop, stop airdropping memes and listen. Like that's what Pastor Paul is saying to the church in Ephesus to Timothy. Right? So it's a cultural thing. Are you following me? Yeah. So he's saying, he's saying, hey, tell, tell the ladies because it's new for them. Um, tell them that the, the word it says that they need to listen in silence is actually better translated. They need to be peaceable. Like they need to be all in the same agreement of what's happening in the room. And so he's saying, hey, everybody be quiet and listen, which wouldn't be that weird for me to stand up and say that, would it? Like, if I came in to the factory and, like, you heard all of the, the whispers, like, during worship, and I stood up and I was like, hey, guys, would you, would you be quiet? Like, you wouldn't be like, what? <laughs> You'd be like, yeah, it's about time he said something. Did he even notice? You know what I'm saying? So what Paul's saying, the context of it is that. But then, I'm so sorry. She's so mad at me. I've gone on and on and on. Um, it was an interesting question, isn't it? Yeah. Okay, yeah. Cool. Um, so to summarize and to conclude, to land this plane, I'm going to sit back down. Um, to land this plane, he's saying, first to their culture, to their context, hey, you guys need to understand, read the room is basically what he's saying. Yeah. Read the room. Um, and then he's saying, he goes on, he's, it's not the practice, it's not what, or it's, it's not the practice of teaching, it's what they teach. In other words, what I began with, it's not the, uh, what was the first O word I used? Not office, the other one. Operation? Was it operation? Yeah, it's not the operation of the gift, it's not using the gift, but it's the office of the gift. And so under the leadership, so I operate under the leadership of Pastor Jim. So like my decisions like have to go through Pastor Jim. And so, like, me to operate outside of that would be me breaking the hierarchy or the, the structure of how God set this thing up. We have a lead pastor that makes decisions, and then it trickles down from there. And so all of what he's saying is, hey, there's a, there is a way that God set this thing up, and we're supposed to follow that. Does that mean that there's not places and jobs and roles and things that we need both genders to do? No. It means we need both genders to do their roles because God set it up in a way so that if they, so if one's doing too much, we need the battle cry, help, battle cry, reinforcements, bring in the other half, bring in the people that know how to get stuff done, right? Yeah. And so that, does that make sense at all? Yeah. I think so. I'm going to talk though now. Please. Um, <laughs> we practice this at home. And I went way off script. You went way off script. No. God bless him. Um, but like Nate was saying, and me, well, a couple reasons like why I did want us to talk about this question is because, one, if you're hearing from classmates or family members or people outside of church, 
uh, who've maybe never come or they've heard that one verse and they've never heard it in the context of the culture explained, they might say something like, oh, the Bible's misogynistic or how can you be at a church that is oppressive to women or things like that. So one, I like bringing it up to address that that's not what's the situation here. And then two, I grew up in church and so I, and I grew up in church in like the 90s, which is very glamorized on TikTok right now, but to be a kid in the 90s was like actually kind of sketchy. And, um, but like I grew up in a time where I didn't see women preaching on stages. I didn't see like women leading in their church and in their communities and just like in um, general, like I, you just didn't see it as much. And so for me, as I've gotten older, getting to see God use women in amazing ways has been really good for me and helped me like realize that's not who God is. And like Nate said, my dad always taught me and my mom, like growing up, like look at the Bible as a whole when you're reading the Bible. And People love to pick verses and use that with, like, one lens to just dictate everything about God or about ourselves. And when you look at Scripture, like Nate named some of those women, God uses women in super powerful ways across the board. Like Nate said, just leading. Deborah's my favorite Bible character. And if you don't know her, you should read Judges 3 and 4. Because she is the woman that God puts in charge of all of Israel, all of his people. She's the leader of their army. She goes off into battle. She's super cool. And her and her, like, girl team up to murder the bad guy and set the name. That's JL. She's cool, too. I mean, I'm not saying that's, like, what, you know. I'm just saying it's a good story. It's a good one. And, um... But that just all throughout history, and then Nate mentioned in the New Testament, there's women who are part of planting churches. They're um, leading, they're prophesying, they're speaking, they're doing all sorts of things. And I didn't want to get stuck on like anything negative. I just wanted to just end very positively that women are super cool and do amazing things, all of scripture. And there are other scriptures, and this is where I also want to go, like Nate mentioned that scripture, like in the, uh, as Christians, there's neither male nor female nor Jew nor Greek. What that means is like equality and equity in God's eyes. And what that means is that taking two verses, boys, and using it as a way to put a girl down or put a woman down is not right. So don't take something like that and then turn it into your own thing. But instead, yeah, stop doing that. Um, but that's not the Bible. If we're putting anyone down um, or thinking we're better than them or more spiritual than them because of our gender or our race or anything like that, we're wrong. And that's not what God wants. So I just want to call that out, too, that women, God has so many places for you in ministry, in leadership, in um, teaching and all of that, that he wants to use you in. He's using me in it. You saw the girls up on stage tonight. Like, he's using people. Just be a part of it and see where he takes you and where he leads you. And Come what on. He has for Make you. some noise for that one. That's so good.
Yeah. I, re I really appreciated just learning all that and, and hearing all that. I, um, it's just there. I really appreciate uh, Nate and Hannah's leadership because they're, they're so knowledgeable of the Word of God and so passionate about it. It's just really amazing to see. Um, and if you guys have any other questions, like that's kind of like a hot topic question uh, in the Bible. There's plenty of them. Uh, that's like, whoa, when the Bible was written 2,000 years ago, it doesn't fit into today's culture. What's going on with that? We'd love to talk about it and dive deep and clarify some of those uh, kind of gray areas. Um, and most of the time, the, the Bible means what it says, so we can figure that out together, though. Um, Let's do one more. Pick a good one. One more. There's a great one here, and it says, um, it says, how do we know what God is speaking to us versus what we are telling ourselves? So how do we know what God is speaking? Cool. Are you guys still with us? Yeah. Okay, cool. Um, how do we know what God is speaking versus what uh, we are speaking? This is, I, I've talked with people before about this, and I'm like, this is the Christian life. Another way of describing it or saying it is the word discernment. You guys ever heard the word discernment? Okay, you're discerning something. Is it this or is it that? Now, there's obvious discernment, good things and bad things, right? This is a good thing, going to church on a Thursday night, reading my Bible, hanging out with cool people, good thing. Like a bad thing, staying home, sneaking into my parents' liquor cabinet, like, <laughs> like that's an obvious bad thing, True. right? Like yeah. there's good things, there's bad things, there's very obvious things of like, of pointing those things out. The yeah. big question, here's the million dollar question, how do we discern good things and good things, right? Like, this is a good thing. This is also a good thing. Should I go to this school? Should I go to this school? Like, this is a good school. This is also a good school. You know what I mean? Like, should I buy this car? Should I buy that? Should I take this job? Should I take that? You know what I'm saying? Like, good things and good things. Now, the question we have to then consider is, um, so sometimes God gives us an open door. Like, we use that word a lot or that idea a lot in church. Like, okay, this is an open door. Um, so we have to discern, is, is God opening the door and I'm supposed to walk through it? Or am I opening the door and I'm not supposed to walk through it because God has a different door for me? Or is this a closed door? Am I not supposed to walk through this? And if it's a closed door, is it a closed door because God doesn't want me to go through it? Or is it a closed door because the enemy wants to keep me from the good thing that God has on the other side of this closed door? Okay, so all of these things are like discernment. Like, yeah. what are we happening? I haven't even said anything yet. I'm like setting the stage. I have not said anything yet. Um, so all of this is discernment. So how do we discern good from bad? How do we discern good from good? How do we discern open doors and closed doors? How do we discern, um, is it a closed door because God closed it, or is it a closed door because the enemy's trying to keep me from something good? You following all of my questions? Yes. yes. Thank you. Um, so how do we discern it? Okay, first off, ready? You're going to hate this answer. You're going to hate it. You have to know what the Bible says. 
You have to. Like, you're like, what's God's will for my life? Well, what is God clear, clearly laid out in his word for your, for his, for your, his will for your life? Yeah. Well, I don't know. Okay, we'll start there. Right? When, when, we, when we aren't sure about the unclear things, we have to be certain of the clear things. Right? So we have to understand, okay, this is the clear word of God for my life. That will help me navigate the unclear will of God for my... Was that a cat? Oh, my gosh. There's a lot of cats. You guys can stop that one. Um. There's always a meow, kid. There's always a meow, kid. (laughs) Sorry. Nice. All right, all right, all right, all right, all right. Follow me, follow me. Back here, back here. Okay, back here. This is a good question. I think it'll help us all. Yeah. So how do we discern? We got we to gotta understand what God has clearly said so we can understand what God has clearly not said. Yeah. The gray areas. So much of our life is lived in the gray areas. What has God said? I don't know. What's his will? I'm not sure, etc. So we have to know God's will. Secondly, we have to seek godly counsel. What, what, what do good Christian people say about this? Like, I want to go to this school. I want to go to that school. I'm just not sure what to do. Seek out good Christian counsel. Now, when you're trying to discern, because the question was, how do I know if it's me speaking or if it's God speaking, so on and so forth. If you can know what God has clearly said, and you're doing what God has clearly said, then you can make the decision that you want to make. Yeah. Right? So, um, if you are doing what God wants you to be doing, you will not make a decision that is outside of what God wants you to be doing. Because we've already established that you're going to make a decision based upon what God wants you to be doing. So, okay, here's the realm. I'm within what God wants me to be doing. There's no obvious sin. There's no obvious contradiction. There's no obvious danger or warning signs. I'm within this realm. So now I make a decision that I want to go. Well, I want to go to this school because it's closer to home. Boom. There's your answer. You know what I mean? Like, or actually, I want to go to this school because it's farther from home. Boom. There's your answer. You know what I'm saying? Like, like, should I date this person? Should I date that person? Well, this person's not a Christian. This person is a Christian. Boom. There's your answer. You know what I'm saying? Like, so we, 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 we understand what God tells us to do, the very clear written things of God, and then we make decisions that operate within what God has clearly told for us to do. Yeah. If, you're, if you're struggling with something internally and you're like, I'm not sure, my, my best advice for you is to ask somebody. Don't just internalize it. Ask somebody about it. Make sense? Do you want to add anything? Yeah. No, I think that was good. We did it. Can I add something? Please add something. Um, This is is one of my favorite verses on on this idea. It's in Psalm. It's Psalm 37, uh, verse 4 and 5. It says, Delight yourself also in the Lord, and he shall Mm. give you the desires of your heart. And then it says this, commit your ways to the Lord and trust in him also, and he shall bring it to pass. So first, when, when we're trying to figure out what 
the heck is going on with life, what we're supposed to do, how we're supposed to live, where we're supposed to go, who we're supposed to date, yeah, yeah, all that's like stuff that gives us anxiety and makes us lay awake at night. Um, first, we want to delight ourselves in the Lord, and that's just spending time with Him, getting to know Him, knowing His Word, praying with to God and in relationship with God and just delighting it. But then it says, commit yourself to it. So that means that when you feel like God is speaking or you're, you're reading the word of God and you feel like God is speaking directly to you, then you have to commit yourself to do that. And then those more abstract things will kind of come into play. And then it says, God will give you the desires of your heart. So yeah. basically what it says, delight yourself in God commit to what God is telling you. God is changing and working in you. And then it's like, oh, I'm already making the decisions that God wants me to make because he's fully changed me because I've delighted and committed myself. So uh, just, just start with those things and, um, and memorize Psalm 37, 4 and 5. That comes in handy all the time in, in my little verse pocketbook to encourage me. So uh, you guys can have it. There you go. All right. Hannah's going to pray for us and then we're going to go to groups.